Because every goal has a price tag. Knowing the price can help you prioritize what to do and when with the money you have today. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money, because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I'm really, really glad you've taken the time to tune in today. So thank you. This is our second episode in a series about goals to help you kick off 2022. And it occurred to me that you might be interested in a guide that is designed to help you create a financial game plan for all of your goals, your financial goals, as well as your non-financial goals. If I am correct, then send me a DM on Instagram and we will send you a link so you can purchase your copy. Cool? Cool. Now, on to today's show. Maybe you have a version of what I'm about to describe as it relates to you and your industry and your body of work and your role in it. But here is what happens in my world when it comes to goals, likely because of my industry and my role in it. Whenever I ask someone about their goals, be it a client, a workshop participant, or even a colleague or friend, they often immediately respond with their financial goals. And I always respond with some variation of, no, not just your financial goals, even though ultimately money enters into the equation. Let me explain this a bit. Often with financial goals, you can more easily create a viable roadmap for how to achieve it by reverse engineering the gap. So let's say you have one or a combination of what I'm about to describe as your financial goals. Let's say you want to save $50,000. Let's say you want to max out your 401k or SEP IRA contributions. And on top of that, invest $25,000 in a brokerage account. Let's say you want to give $25,000 away as a part of your philanthropy. Let's say you want to pay $10,000 toward a credit card balance or that you want to earn $750,000 gross. Not to imply that reaching any of these financial goals will be easy, but both your beginning and endpoints are clear. This clarity gives you a sense of what choices and trade-offs you'll need to make to reach these goals within the timeline you've decided upon. And by the way, just so that you know, (laughs) these numbers were just randomly chosen. They they don't reflect me or anybody that, uh, you know, you might know. Uh, Again, they were just randomly chosen. However, when it comes to non-financial goals, clarity about the price tag can often be opaque. And this often leads to four common mistakes. Ironically, all of them relate to money. One mistake is this. You don't identify the financial component of each of your non-financial goals. So when you have a, a financial goal and you know what the number is, you know what the financial component is. That's not always the case when it comes to your non-financial goals, 
but you need to identify what that financial component is. So that's the first mistake. You don't do that. The second mistake is because you haven't identified the financial component, you don't create a financial plan for each of your goals. And you need to identify the financial component for each of your financial goals, and you need to create a financial plan for each of them as well. And if you don't do that, making those two mistakes is what leads to these next two. You don't manage your cash flow or you don't manage your cash flow as well as may be required. Something that people often forget is the money that you need to finance your goals. That comes from the money that you have currently. It's not going to come from some anticipated new client or, you know, new bonus or new raise. It's, it, it has, you have to make those kinds of decisions based upon what is in front of you right now. So if you don't identify the financial component, if you don't create a financial game plan, what that then also leads to is you don't manage your cash flow as well as you possibly could. The sister to that is that you use an investment approach that doesn't actually support your goals. So here's where this matters. The timing of your goals is what determines if it is better to keep the money you're allocating toward it, liquid, as in cash, for stability and or to protect your principal, or if you might want to go on ahead and invest it and invest it for growth. And one of the litmus tests that I always suggest to people is that if you have a goal that's, you know, between now and five years from now, as, as hard as it might be, you are probably better off keeping those funds for that goal or those goals liquid so that it's stable and, and you can be assured of the principle being available to you when you need it. If it is a goal that either an entirety or a part of it is not needed for you know six years or more, then in that case, you can invest it and you can invest it with the intent of it growing and having some appreciation. So again, if you don't take the time to identify the financial component of your non-financial goals, one of the things that that can lead to is not managing your cash flow well and then not investing those dollars that you are allocating toward those goals in the best way possible. And on the last episode, episode 114, I talked about how you need to feed your goals. Well, in addition to feeding them with time and effort, one of the other ways in which you do this is with the money that you allocate toward it. Because again, every goal, financial and non-financial, has a price tag. And knowing the price can help you prioritize what to do and when with the money that you have today. Besides, every goal you have directly or indirectly drives the decisions that you make about your money, sometimes consciously, most times subconsciously, in other areas of your life and business. So when you are not aware of the price of your goals, you tend to leave money on the table and waste precious time. In other words, not knowing the price costs you something. 
This is why it behooves you to be smart as possible and to feed your goals what they need, money and a plan and not just your intention. Another reason that I say goals are greater than resolutions. But this leads us to the tricky part. And I really wish I could offer up an easy formula to help you create a financial roadmap specifically for your non-financial goals. However, the variables are aplenty. So instead, I am here in your ear to offer the following framework for your consideration. First, count it all up and add it all up. <laughs> when you attach a number to all of your goals, again, financial and non-financial, and then add it all up, it's easier, even if shocking, to see what it is you really need your money to do for you, to do for you today, tomorrow, next month, next year, in the next five years, and beyond. After you count it all up and add it all up, it's time to create a timeline. And one of the tactics that I use and suggest to clients is to practice what I call time framing. This is when you segment your goals according to when you plan to achieve it or according to when a chunk of that goal needs to be achieved. And is that time framing less than a year? Is it one to three years? Is it three to five years? Is it five to 10, 10 plus? Some of your goals will be met entirely in less than a year, whereas others, as an example, require several years to completion. And in this instance, what you have to think about is how much money do you want to apply this year to a goal that is in perhaps the three to five year time frame. So you count it all up, you add it all up, and then you create a timeline. And then what you have to do is determine your allocation style. Based on the numbers you know or have estimated, will you give each goal the same amount of money each week, each month, or year? Or will the amount change based on the goal and where it is on your priority list, as well as your timeline? All of that leads to the next thing, which is now it is time to create your plans. And there are two things that influence how I think about and approach planning. One is courtesy of my friend, Charlie Gilkey. You may remember him from uh, episode 71, where he was my guest. He's the co-founder of Productive Flourishing and the author of Start Finishing, which was the focus of my conversation with him for episode 71. And he says that it is important to, quote, remember that plans only create clarity, not certainty, end quote. In my opinion, certainty is where people get a little mixed up in that it's one of the reasons people, and maybe this includes even you, have a hard time assigning a number to their non-financial goals. They're waiting to have certainty around that number being accurate. I'm of the belief that it is better to guesstimate and be way, 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 way off than to not guess at all. So that's the first thing when I think about 
planning and the approach to take to it. Focus on the fact that it is about clarity and not certainty and don't get tripped up on, I guess this number and I may be wrong. You may be, but it's better to be wrong than to not have something that can anchor the choices and the trade-offs that you need to make today to help close that gap. The other thing that you need to keep in mind, in my opinion, and remember when it comes to planning, is that it is less about the plan and more about what you discover and learn from the planning process. Creating a plan is how you navigate and negotiate the ups and downs and the twists and turns that will inevitably emerge as you feed your goals. Again, financial and non-financial, as you feed your goals the money that they need to materialize. Yet, you have to be cautious about something. Don't make the mistake of creating just one plan. Despite the way we often tend to talk about plans, they are not static. Your plan represents living documentation of the actions you need to take, which frequently need to be tweaked in response to what changes occur, what changes occur in your life, in your business, and with your money. That is why it is so useful to do scenario planning and be prepared, at least on paper, for things that, you know, happen that may surprise you. Because your initial plan, as well as your contingency plans, help you account for the price of your goals so that you don't unwittingly leave money on the table and waste precious time. As always, thank you so much for spending time with me today and listening all the way until the end. If you're interested in the guide I mentioned, the one that will help you create a financial game plan for all of your goals, I invite you to send me a DM on Instagram. It's my name, Jaquette, with my middle initial M, Timmons, and we will send you a link so that you can purchase your copy. And if you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast and or perhaps this particular episode, please share it so that we can reach more people. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review because we do in fact read them. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. I'll be back next week with a very special episode. I will be in conversation with a dear friend, Paula Edgar. She's an attorney and founder of PGE Consulting Group a firm that specializes in professional development through the lens of DEI. We are going to share a bit of the behind the scenes as it pertains to how we each approach setting goals, how we look back and plan ahead, and chat about a pretty cool resource that she introduced me to. I hope you'll join us. Until then, remember, it's about more than money. 